In Untimely Meditations 3, Frederick Nietzsche asked, How can a human being know itself? It is a thing veiled, and if the hair has seven skins, the human can sloth off 70 times 7 and still not be able to say, Now that is what you truly are, and that is no longer outer shell. Welcome to Fool's Guide to the Occult, and I'm not changing my name this time. Good. I'm not either. As usual, I am Lexa, and today we are talking about ego magic. As we've mentioned before, this is something that I think we're both pretty into. I know it's a big part of my practice, at least. Yeah, I would say so. It's definitely one of the things I'm most interested in, in the occult, for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's pause here for a second just to slap a huge disclaimer on this whole episode. As we mentioned before, this is where shit gets heavy. So we don't recommend that you attempt this type of work without proper planning, consideration, support, you know, all that stuff. You know, please take care of yourselves. Uh, That being said, do as you will. Of course. And before we dive in, we have a little journaling to do. Um, Did you want to talk about our little servitor friend that we started working on the other day? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. All right. So date and time. Yeah, that was, um, what was it, the 22nd, so Wednesday evening, uh, 9 p.m. for me, around midnight for you. Mm-hmm. It was the new moon. Yeah. Oh, and uh, I think we were both working in our houses, given uh, the current situation. Yes, I was at my house. <laughs> what was I? Uh, weather condition? Yeah, it was uh, dark and rainy here in Portland. Yeah. It was clear and calm here. All right. Physical feelings. Starting out, I was a little burnout, but as soon as we got going, I was feeling pretty amped up. Yeah, similar. Uh, I was pretty tired, but as soon as you know the we got going, that went away for me as well. Good. Um, emotional state. I was just kind of neutral. I didn't really feel one way or the other. Yeah, I was like in a super good mood. I had been celebrating my anniversary pretty much all day, so I was pretty happy. You know, I was in a, a happy oh, place hell yeah. for sure. <laughs> Um, I'm going to throw in divination here. It's something I kind of like to keep track of. Um, I had pulled the eight of pentacles, so I felt pretty fucking good about the whole thing too, you know? Yeah, right on. What did I, I think I got the hanged man. I remember that. Yeah. Person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is so funny because we're going to talk about that later. Aren't we, we are totally. Uh, what else? Rituals, activities, performs. I mean, general like banishing, grounding, centering, and then we listened to that song that was in what? That was the end of our servitor episode, right? Correct. Where we talked about creating grab bag to begin with. So we listened to that to sort of sync our minds up, and then um, went through. Um, various other processes yeah yeah we um i think we outlined it pretty well like sort of what we were planning to do we definitely truncated it a little bit like simplified it i think we kind of wanted to give you guys like an example of like what the full ritual you know might look like if you were going to like kind of build out every aspect of it we definitely abbreviated a little bit just because of you know who we are and how we work and stuff but um yeah so that is a thing yeah totally let's see Oh, we did we talk about the candle thing in the um, Servitor episode? I think did we tell them we were going to do that. I think we may have mentioned it. We yeah, we used like kind of you know simple candle magic, like carved a sigil into a candle. I know you said that you didn't have a candle that you could carve into, so you put a sticky note on there, which 
I mean, yeah, it's basically the same fucking thing. So, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, if it works, it works, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you can use your candle for other stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you... but yeah, mine, mine was in glass, so that wasn't going to work out. Yeah. So exactly. What else? Yeah. I listened to the song while I was performing the whole ritual. I had it on like a loop. Yeah. Um, same. I think it's been actually a pretty helpful tool. I think it's a really good tool, actually, uh, having the song. I've, I've uh, been keeping the sigil near me so I can look at it. Like, I've been like, keeping an eye on it, you know, right? Like, that's part of the whole process, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. It's like feeding mental energy into it. So, and then also listening. Yep, giving it attention. I've been doing this. Yeah, same. and listening to the song is kind of part of that, too. The song just plays in my head now. I don't even have to listen to it. I just hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> okay, so uh, we have results here. You know, in it's in process, right? Yeah. So we'll let you know. I don't know. Eventually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I actually, by the time this comes out, I think it will probably be complete. So stand by. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like there'll be general updates as this is a, a long lasting little critter here. Sure. I mean, we're going to. I think we programmed in it to to die at the end of the year if we don't kill it before then. But I mean, that's still like a good chunk of time and might be kicking around. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would say though that um, I had heard about like cumulative effects and stuff of working with other people, but I had never actually done it in this way. So I think there's definitely something to that. Yeah, I definitely felt um, way more connected and um, just like a lot more energy than I normally feel working alone. Yeah, me too. So definitely interesting. So yeah. Yeah, totally. Anyway, that was our short journaling for today, but on with the show. Indeed. So I guess if we're going to talk about ego magic we should probably talk about, I mean, we've talked about magic extensively. We should probably talk about the other part of the term, and that is the ego, right? Yeah, definitely. So what is the ego? Well, Merriam-Webster has two useful definitions for us. One is the self, especially as contrasted with another self or the world. Right. So it's like the difference between me and you or me and the microphone I'm talking into. Mm-hmm. Their third definition, the other one I thought was somewhat useful, is the one of the three of the I'm sorry, the one of the three divisions of the psyche in psychoanalytical theory that serves as the organized conscious mediator between the person and reality especially by functioning both in the perception of and the adaptation to reality. So there's that. And if that's the case, it follows that when you alter your ego, you alter your reality, right? Mm -hmm. So really quick, let's have a look at Merriam-Webster, what they have to say about reality. Um, And they say that it's the quality or state of being real, not very useful at all. What is real? Um, They have two definitions. One is having objective and independent existence, or the other one, not being artificial, fraudulent, or illusory. Hmm. 
never a good sign when we have to start defining things based on what they are not. Indeed, no kidding. So we are diving into the wacky world of philosophy and psychology where everything gets very abstract and pretty surreal. But what happens when some people agree on a quality, a state or experience and another group of people don't agree? Let's use a specific example here. I did a little research and saw many, many, many different surveys of citizens of the United States. And being in a relationship with a statistician, I know that surveys are seriously flawed and there's a whole bunch of issues there. But um, so what we're going to do is be really conservative here and work with the lowest percentage I found. So according to this study, 18% of citizens in the United States claim that they've seen a ghost at some point in time. Now, 18% is pretty significant. I don't know about the, the sample size at all, or if, you know, that was a fair sample, like who they were sampling. Um, but considering this was the smallest number I found, I feel it's probably a fair place to start. Uh, assuming this is true, um, there are 329 million people living in the United States right now. 18% of that would be little over 59 million, 59 million, 229,000 people-ish. That's a whole ton of people that claim they've seen a ghost at some point in their life. That's 9 million more people than were killed by the Black Plague. Um, maybe not a good time to bring that up. <laughs> and actually, I, I wrote down a whole bunch of facts here that I, I'm going to skip over because uh, I don't want to bore you with that. But Basically, we have a massive proportion of the population who agree that ghosts are real, but another 82% um, at very least haven't seen one or are among the people that say they're certainly not real at all. Okay, so 18% is much higher than I would have guessed. I mean, obviously, I we don't know about the methodology of the survey, so we're not sure how accurate that is, but... I feel I should ask, since we're all wondering, have you seen a ghost? Uh, I mean, no, not in the waking world. I had a prophetic conversation with my dead uncle once in a dream. Uh, what about you? No, not yet. I've heard plenty of stories from people I know about their experiences, but I've never actually seen anything that would really convince me that that was a thing. But I do remain open-minded to the possibility that that is something that is going on in the world, right? You never know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I'm agnostic when it comes to ghosts. Yes, I think it's best to be agnostic on most things, <laughs> we're, <laughs> as we're learning. <laughs> yeah, seems to be the case. All right, so the question we have to wonder is, uh, so how do we decide based on those definitions and this example here? We've got this significantly large percentage of people who believe in something and then an even bigger number who are like no that's crazy um so so based on the definitions we came up with based on that example what is real what is reality and i really can't help being reminded of that morpheus quote from the matrix um, where he says what is real how do you define real if you're talking about what you can feel what you can smell what you can taste see then real is simply electrical signals interpreted by your brain yeah, man. You know what? Plato never gets old. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty damn old. <laughs> it never seems to get old, though. We just keep coming back to it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I guess what we have to say is, sorry, folks, the jury's still out. There's been at least 7,000 years of 
recorded anyway, human history to show us that uh, people cannot agree on what is real and what is not. Um, but what, what we can say for certain is that various groups of people have experienced, or sorry, have experiences and perceptions of reality that they share in common, which are entirely separate from other groups of people. And it would seem, based on a variety of evidence from psychologists, philosophers, religious people, psychonauts, um, that this perception or reality itself can be altered in some ways. But this is the the, the deep end of ego magic, uh, which dips into um, what I like to refer as reprogramming or rewriting your cultural operating system. I'm sure people like Terrence McKenna would probably prescribe downloading an upgrade via a pharmacological agent, but... I like to be very intentional and methodical about all of this. I think good notes make good research, and starting out in the pool is a better way to learn to swim than jumping into the ocean. Um, more on all of that down the line, but what we have for you today is a brief introduction to the shallow end of the Ego Magic swimming pool, and to kick it all off, I want to pass it to Luxo. All right, so... What is ego magic? We've talked about it before. It's about changing yourself, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, since we're, ta- we're taking a pretty chaos magic heavy perspective on this topic, so let's hear what Peter J. Carroll had to say about the ego in Psychonaut. The self is no more than the point at which the formless life force, or Kia, touches experience. Because consciousness occurs only at the Kia-mind interface, we are unable to get at the root of self with ideas. To fill this gap, or vacuum, we erect an ego. The ego is an image of self and Kia we build out of habit. So that quote might sound familiar. After all, we have read it before on the show. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, You can read more about Kia if you want to in Austin Osmond Spare's writing. It's pretty wild stuff. I would recommend it if you are into untying knots. Anyway, you might ask, (laughs) what does this have to do with magic? (laughs) Well, let's turn to another one of our favorite authors uh, for another quote, which might also sound familiar. So in Condensed Chaos, Phil Hines states that becoming a magician implies continual change, modification of identity, entering different paradigms of belief and behavior, learning new skills, and shedding life patterns which have outworn their usefulness. There is thus a shift from the core ego, which is based on maintaining differences, the self-other divide, to that of the exo, the self in a continual process of dynamic engagement. But what does that actually mean? I think a good way to sum it up might be this, and let me know if you agree. Okay, here it is. You're constantly changing, as is everything else, which is a dynamic process, something that is moving, right? Uh, In the language of physics, dynamics refers to the study of how force influences motion. Ego magic involves applying or engaging the force of your will to influence the direction you wish to develop in, the you you want to be. Uh, Further, the you that you think you are is not really you, it's simply a construct woven from the experiences you've had, the culture you live in, and the stories that you tell yourself about them. The stories that you tell yourself about yourself? large element of this involves the type of language that you choose to use when you're telling these stories to yourself. 
Yeah, for sure. 100% agree. <laughs> In our episode on chaos magic more specifically when we were talking about working with sigils i discussed an example in quantum psychology by robert anton wilson uh where he discusses uh the difference in ways people in the united states talk about sadness versus how people in other countries uh, might talk about uh sadness and how thought patterns have a big impact on your perception of reality changing these patterns is part of what ego magic is about uh you can start really with regular positive affirmations to try and rebuild new habits of mind or just reframe your language or your self-talk um to to be more positive and that's a, a simple step baby's first ego magic i guess but that's just a raindrop in the the huge lake of this thing also, speaking of Robert Anton Wilson and quantum psychology, we are book clubbing that book on our Patreon right now. Um, that is patreon.com slash FG2TO. So if you think you'd be interested in listening to us talk around the content of that book specifically, uh, check it out. Yeah, definitely. Come check it out. It's I think it's, it is really central to the topic of ego magic and i think it could be a fun and useful thing for people at least to read the book it's very good anyway <laughs> obviously yeah, we love I, it I, i'm enjoying going yeah. through it a i'm enjoying time, it yeah. too all right so okay in liber chaos carol talks about this idea of the eight colors of magic uh, which he treats as sort of like different flavors of gnosis it's a pretty interesting idea that I suspect we may wish to return to in the future. Yeah, I think that might be a good idea. Yeah, he gives ego magic the color yellow, all right? In astrology, which is a subject that Carol seems to really enjoy deriding, one sun sign is supposed to relate to a person's basic identity or ego. Yeah, astrology airs a little too much of determinism for me personally. That said, I do uh, employ it in work when I find it symbolically useful yeah fair enough man uh you are not alone so the romans had a saying astra inclinate said non obligant which means the stars incline us they do not bind us so oh I did <laughs> yeah that. i like it too they've got some great sayings <laughs> or they had i should say had. i mean the romans are still there they just don't speak latin anymore sure. right well, no, I take that back. A lot of people that's in not, uh, that's actually not, Rome not probably do speak Latin. Hmm, interesting. All right. Well, anyway. Anyhow. <laughs> the term ego, which Hector already talked a little bit about, and the field of structural psychology to which it belongs, was developed originally by Sigmund Freud, who identified three different areas of a person's psyche. All right. There's the id one's subliminal desires for things like sex and food and safety and love. I like those. Yeah, <laughs> don't we all? Um, the ego, which is basically what we develop as we grow up and learn to like control our desires. Uh, our, it's also our basic identity. Uh, and then there's the superego, which integrates values learned from society and our parents and everything into our overall patterns of thinking. We might kind of refer to this as programming or conditioning, like our programming model, perhaps. Uh, so this is obviously a quick and yeah. dirty definition of Freud's theory, and it's way more complex than I made it sound, but hopefully it serves well enough to be contrasted with Carol's foray into what we might call esoteric structuralism. Yeah. All right. So here is a quote from Lieber Chaos. I'm 
going to include his dig at astrology because I think it's funny, but you guys should obviously meditate on the merits of this topic independently. All right. Astrological commentaries on the supposed powers of the sun are among the most idiotic nonsense that discipline can produce. This is because the yellow power has four related forms of manifestation within the psyche. All right, so Carol defines these as follows. First, we have the ego or self-image, as Carol puts it, which is the working idea that the mind has about one's general personality, but it, it excludes the more like extreme behaviors that a person might be capable of. For Carol, and actually for me too, there's not just one self, but many selves encompassed within any individual. Right, paraphrasing from Libra Chaos, the second manifestation of the yellow power is charisma, uh, which is the degree of self-confidence that a person projects to others. Third is what we don't really have a word for in English, but can be thought of as laughter creativity. Mm -hmm. And the fourth is the urge to assertion and dominance. I'm tempted to call this the will to power, but that term is pretty loaded, so I'm going to leave Nietzsche alone for a bit and stick with Carol. <laughs> Do let's. All right, so let, <laughs> let's talk tech. All right, talk techie to me. <laughs> Gladly. All right, so sticking with labor chaos here, <laughs> Carol notes that when you understand that a personality is something that you own and not something that you are, you can begin to take inventory and make the changes that you think would benefit you. Right, so here's what he has to say about it. Changes to the ego or self-image or personality by magic are classified as works of illumination. So this can be accomplished through retroactive enchantment, which is something I'm going to touch on a little bit later, invocation. Uh, Carol also notes that changes in behavior can result in physiological changes in the body, things like hormone levels and stuff. So sometimes it can be as simple as faking it till you make it. But there is a lot of other ways of doing ego magic. Yeah, totally. Um, using ego magic, one can employ a variety of methods to dramatically alter the thought process, cultural operating system, ultimately the user experience. Um, we're using psychological and magical technology to hack the mind, yeah, basically. Yeah, no, definitely. So in our first episode about Chaos Magic, Order App KO, and go check that out sometime if you missed it, uh, we talked a little bit about adopting belief systems, which is kind of a central theme of chaos magic. Yeah, it's kind of the getting your feet wet method um, that's described in Libranol by Carol. He suggests randomly adopting different belief systems for short periods of time, trying them on like a hat or a pair of shoes. Uh, there's six that he points out, and we talked about it in our uh intro to chaos magic episode so you can jump back to that or you know just buy a copy of carol's book which i would recommend and so he assigns each of these a number and then assigns those to a six-sided die and then you know you just roll it and voila you've you've got a new belief system to play with for a little while but it's not just you know something you think about you're supposed to be method acting you're supposed to get inside that role you're really supposed to embody that um, belief system and really try it on taking that step further we can begin to see all our personality traits uh, habits and so forth as constructs the positive ones um, you know we could think of like angels the negative ones like 
demons. Um, and as Carol points out in Psychonaut, the conventional religious form of exorcism seeks to replace obsession with one thing by, you know, imposing over it a larger and more powerful one. We can remove a harmful habit, for instance, by replacing it with a, a more positive one, like I described earlier about reframing your, your self-talk or um, using positive aphorisms, things like that. And, and this is kind of uh, part of what is really referred to as the great work. Yeah. Okay, so maybe this is a good time to take a little sidebar and talk about what the term great work refers to. Yeah, do it. All right. I'm pretty sure that it arose out of the tradition of hermeticism. So let's have a little quote from the Kabbalion. Here it is. Mind, as well as metals and elements, may be transmuted from state to state, degree to degree, condition to condition, pole to pole, vibration to vibration. True hermetic transmutation is a mental art. Okay, so transmutation is a topic that comes up in European alchemy, and there it refers to changing base metals like lead into gold. So as far as I understand it, this is an allegory about a person's character and not like a get-rich-quick scheme or whatever. Yeah, that's my understanding of it as well, is it's coded language. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe they chose that language intentionally, like, to throw people off. I know there was a lot of political complexity surrounding the topic for, like, a long time. Yeah. There's also, yeah, there's all kinds of other ideas, like, wrapped up in this. There's also this idea of, like, sexual alchemy, where one can transmute their urges into, like, creative avenues. But that term is actually pretty loaded, and it can refer to a lot of other stuff, too, which I'm sure will definitely come up when we talk about sex magic. I wanted to bring it up, though, because it... I'm... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I cut you off. I was going to say, I'm I'm really interested to hear what that's all about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, so, it's interesting stuff. Um, I definitely wanted to bring it up here, though, because it reminds me a little bit of what Carol says about the moon being the power behind the sun. This is from Leo Chaos. I'm pretty sure it's a sex thing. <laughs> I mean, it's basically, he's saying, like, use what you have. Obviously more uh, complicated than that. Everything always is. All right. So, there, But there's also this, like, Kabbalistic notion of the imagination, which the moon is, like, a symbol of. The foundation, right? Like, uh, Yasad at being, like, the foundation for our waking lives or our kingdom. So, and I don't know. That's sort of my interpretation of it, at least. I've only been studying this shit for, like, a couple of years, and I'm not an expert at all. <laughs> it's very complicated. But if you are, please contact us. I would love to hear your perspectives on this. Uh, anyway. Totally, yeah. Most authors that I've read seem to agree that the great work or magnum opus, if you're more into the Latin, is a process of bringing what is unknown about oneself into the light so that it might be examined and integrated. Think like balancing out all the different aspects of yourself or yourselves. This is kind of what's being shown in the temperance card of the tarot, which I think we did touch on. Uh, Nietzsche might call this process self-overcoming, but there's a lot of other ways of talking about it. Yeah, sure. You know, there are many different interpretations of what the end result of this based on, you know, whatever tradition you follow might be. Um, but many people have argued that, you know, if followed all the way through, ultimately, the end result is the same. Ego magic is just one of many ways of breaking down and analyzing self. Uh, in fact, ego magic includes and in, or employs or both 
a variety of different techniques and practices that on their own can result in such transformation outside of any particular occult practice or tradition, I think. For example, meditation. Yeah, no, definitely. That's a great point. There's a lot of ways to get to the same place, right? Uh, Using the term ego magic is simply referring to kind of one perspective on this type of work. Yeah. Um, Through such a process, right, or processes... Uh, one might discover what Alpheus <laughs> Levy and then later Crowley called one's true will. As Crowley famously stated, a man who is doing his true will has the inertia of the universe to assist him. Yeah, this is kind of my understanding of what Dharma is in the context of Hinduism as well. Yeah, man, I love that. All right, so touching on alchemy just one more time, I want to share a little quote from Paulo Coelho's The Alchemist. I think it really kind of hits well on the topic of ego magic. Here it is. Cool. This is why alchemy exists, the boy said, so that everyone will search for his treasure, find it, and then want to be better than he was in his former life. Lead will play its role until the world has no further need for lead, and then lead will have to turn itself into gold. That's what alchemists do. They show that when we strive to become better than we are, everything around us becomes better too. All right. Yeah, I like that. It's good. Yeah, good quote, for sure. <laughs> As promised, uh, yeah, I'm touch real quick on rec- retroactive enchantment. It's kind of a loaded topic too, but retroactive enchantment is sort of the idea of like going back into your past and recontextualizing things based on a perspective that you feel would be more productive might be the right word and there's a lot of different ways to do this i feel like it's such a big topic that we could probably talk about it for a whole episode it's kind of a core concept in a lot of stuff like a lot of styles of therapy there's probably books and books and books and books written on different ways to do this so use your own creativity on that if you are attempting it Uh, Another form of ego magic, which seems to be pretty common, is this idea of creating like an alter ego or second self, Uh, sort of building like a new version of yourself and then stepping into it or invoking it into you. This is something that we're planning to talk more about pretty soon when we discuss invocation and mask work. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually really excited to to do that episode and get that move in. I basically wrote a whole episode on invocation last winter uh, that Kevin and I decided not to record because we just felt like we hadn't really covered enough foundational material yet. But I think we're getting there. And um, yeah, speaking of Kevin, buddy, I hope you're doing well out there. Yeah, oh, dude, shout out for sure. Yeah, let's keep moving. Hell yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, getting into that too. I, I'm I'm stoked. All right. So anyway, many people who are into doing this kind of stuff and doing like ego magic and that type of work uh, tend to be pretty hard on themselves because they can see the potential for improvement, right? Yeah. This is cool. It gives you the drive that you need to do this stuff, but it's a sword that cuts both ways if you're not careful with it. Uh, you really need to ally with yourself and figure out what's actually has the potential of like working for your own personal situation rather than beating yourself up because someone else's method proved ineffective for you. What do you think? I 100% agree with you. Um, 
you know, I think this is part of the, the beauty of occult practice and, and even more specifically the, the chaos magic model or perspective. I think these systems offer you a lot more freedom in terms of methods of modifying Atman self um, than, you know, working within an organized religion, which might only offer limited avenues for this. For us, if something doesn't work, we just get rid of it and um, instead, you know, pick up something else that works for us instead of continuing to pray to this God or that and waiting for some kind of sign. Not, you know, if, if, that's your thing then that's your thing but um you know instead if you're operating under sort of like this occult or cast magic model instead we have options of trying on and incorporating a variety of different practices that fit better with the present personality and understanding of spirituality present personality because typically uh you know, through continued ego modification, personality will change with time. But in terms of invoking and mask work, again, you know, this is a space to, to tread lightly in and definitely do your research and plan things out really well uh, before you get started. And I would highly recommend being in communication with other trusted practitioners who can provide support and at the very least, like someone to talk to about it. That said, as you mentioned, I think it is really important to, to take it easy on yourself, exercise significant self-care, and stay as grounded as possible. Regardless of your goals, you still have to be able to operate within the context of modern society, unless you're planning on living out in the wild or um, off, you know, off the grid, or you're an independent wealthy person you're independently wealthy if you are independently wealthy first congratulations and second since you are listening to this show please consider contributing to our patreon yes indeed consider it <laughs> all right so it can sometimes be hard to get to the place though that you're like ready to do this shit at least in my experience so to that end, one thing that I've personally found to be very effective in the past is mixing some of what Carol calls the green power when doing ego magic. All right, so the green green, green magic or green gnosis uh, is something that he describes as sort of helping you make people friendly towards you. It's labeled love magic, but it's distinct from sex magic, which is either purple or silver in Carol's system. Uh, in Liber Chaos, he writes that invocations to the green power should begin with self-love and attempt to see the wonderful side of every self we consist of, and then proceed into a ritual affirmation of the beauty and lovability of all things and all people. It's better to be an ally than an enemy to yourself, right? So if you feel like that's sort of where you're oh. starting from, I think that using self-directed green magic can be a good way to help you get to where you might need to be before you try something more intense or ambitious. So check that out. Yeah, yeah. I've got no argument with that whatsoever. There are some fundamental lowercase t truths that uh, Atman must accept before altering... Um, uh, there are some fundamental lowercase t truths that Atman must accept before alteration begins. The, the term Anatman is probably more proper here is self is an illusion but um let's scaffold up to that also this mind is trying really hard to operate in e prime right now uh so if this dialogue sounds a little bit odd e prime is the reason that's it you do sound a tiny bit insane but that's okay 
we're all crazy. <laughs> Let's take an interlude. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This episode is brought to you by some fool hanging upside down from a tree. That's right. Major Arcana number 12, the hanged person. Somewhere along the fool's journey, and that's all of us, by the way, uh, we have started to, or we have to start letting go of our illusions, our delusions, our assumptions, our desires to various degrees as we seek illumination. In its upright position, the hanged one tells us that it may not, uh, that it may be time to let go of something, or take a short pause, or slow down, or surrender, or seek a new perspective on a particular thing. In its reversed form, the hanged person suggests that we reassess things. Perhaps we are resisting something. Um, what is that thing we're resisting? Why are we resisting it? Maybe we are in a, a state of indecision and we need to work through things in order to successfully carry on with whatever work we're trying to do. Yeah, man. And like, I think to, to yeah, I, I love that. And to add just one thing onto it, like, I think this idea too of like, being willing to sacrifice to get the knowledge that you need like right the hang sort of like this epidemic tale of like this person like sacrificing part of themselves to get the knowledge i think it comes up too like in some of the uh folklore like about ganesh and everything and um you know he broke off one of his tusks so that he could use it to write with so i don't know i feel like it's all tied up in there yeah right on all right so yeah, definitely lots of stuff packed into Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite cards. <laughs> um, but hey, on with the show. Let's talk a little bit about our experience with this topic. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so I've talked about some of the stuff I've done in the past, but I'm going to share a little bit about my current project, or <laughs> to be more exact, one of them. Uh, there's a lot <laughs> of all kinds of things, but... I know I mentioned this idea of like using fear as a leader before. To me, it's a nice way to address some areas of the personality that could use a little shoring up, maybe, as it were. I think it might be accurate to classify me as an introvert. I tend to be pretty shy, and that's one thing that I've decided I should focus on. So I eventually figured out what I wanted to do. Uh, you can imagine like a montage here if you want to like be doing like divination and meditation and introspective journaling and like work with this, you know, which is like the throat chakra. All right, so montage over. I decided this was going to take the form of a creative project, which is something that is pretty common for me. And I know a lot of other practitioners too, I'm pretty sure. Art or creativity and magic are hand in glove or maybe even closer than that, at least the way I see it. As a side note, uh, do you often find that your workings take the form of creative projects? I'd love to hear your thoughts, Hector, as well as you guys listening. Like, drop us a line and let us know. Oh, all the time. Almost all the time. Yeah, definitely. for sure. Um, but yeah, we definitely like to hear about what you all um, are are doing out there. Yeah, hell yeah. All right. So I don't, I'm not going to like say too much about it because it's still kind of early days, but I will say that's going to be an experiment in which like me and a few other people discover whether we can decondition ourselves by speaking in an open and public way about a taboo subject. And yes, I'm talking about that subject. <laughs> 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 so each conversation is 
going to be sort of its own small transgression of our conditioning. Uh, I know that Hector and I have talked before on this show about like the magically powerful qualities of laughter. So I'm hoping that that's going to be a big component of this thing too. And speaking of which, um, I actually felt physically and viscerally ill with embarrassment at some of the like jokes that I had made when I was listening to this thing. And that reminds me of another open secret of magic. <laughs> if something elicits a strong emotional response, it has the potential to be magically powerful to you. So embarrassment and shame too, I guess, are sort of different flavors of fear. So I'm thinking I'm going to try to lean into that. <laughs> anyway, there's a lot of objectives I'm hoping to accomplish with this new project, but if nothing else, I'm pretty sure it will at least be effective at decreasing my shyness. But I'll keep you guys posted. Uh, what, yeah, what about you, man? What current projects are you working on? Um, shoot, a, a, a billion. Tracking all of them is difficult. Okay, so I guess I'm like trying to battle uh sloth slothness pretty hardcore um the amount of work and mental energy that i'm being asked to do right now as a teacher is well bananas and i'm finding it really hard to to have the energy to really do anything else after my work day ends i'm, I'm pretty psychically burnt out um which sucks because there are so many things i want to be doing armoring smithing composing music writing for the show you know, tons, tons and tons of other things. So one of the, the simplest non-magical things I've started doing is creating a schedule and just trying to stick to it and taking regular mental breaks throughout my workday. But on a more magical front, you know, I've done, I, I haven't really done too much ego magic very recently. If I weren't so fried from work, I there are definitely a few things that I, I'd probably be working on in that vein. But yeah, I've been trying to think in, in E-Prime lately, which has led to varying degrees of success and self-detachment. Obviously, I'm not uh, speaking in E-Prime right now because I'm using E or I a lot. Not self-detachment in sort of a dissociative sense, but more in like uh, understanding of self as illusion sense. Um, but, you know, I'm trying to be really careful with that given the stress of everything that's going on right now. So, yeah, I haven't really been playing too much in that arena. Yeah, no, dude, fair enough, for sure. So speaking of E-Prime, and I'm obviously not going to do a very good job of phrasing this in E-Prime, trying to get used to it, but uh, I do propose that for the sake of precision, we dispense with the term sloth and try to select one that's a better descriptor of being piled under a mountain of bureaucratic bullshit, which sounds like what's happening to you. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fair. I feel like sloth implies like a morally degraded state, which I just don't think applies here. So sloths are fucking cute, though. Sure, but I mean sloth. It's I mean it's one of those seven deadly sins, right? Like I mean I don't know. It has it has connotations. Is what I'm saying. All right. I propose the word fatigue instead. <laughs> yeah, that's fitting. As you said, the stress of everything going on, like plus having all these unrealistic expectations placed on you by your job, it sounds like a lot, dude. I'm constantly trying to remind myself that disappointment can only arise from expectation and putting unrealistic expectations on myself is a sure way to be disappointed in myself. So I'm saying this to me as much as I'm saying this to you and whoever's listening. 
I know. I'm sorry. I just had to interject. So please continue, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. No, that's that's great. All right. So one planned project, if I get the time or I, I guess when the school year ends, I'll definitely have some time. Um, I'll be working on destroying some of my unconscious habits that I seem to have developed over the past few years. But I'll need uh, to provide significant mental en- uh, attention to those Um, which I'm not really capable of doing right now. But to accomplish this, I intend on working with a tech explained in Trader Blue Fluke's Cartoon Guide to Chaos Magic, specifically in Part 2, Level 6. There's a part where they are discussing custom programs. Uh, This is the same section where they discuss the invoking the soul resonance that I've spoke about in many earlier episodes of the show but since we haven't given you any homework for this episode i'm gonna just throw something at you so ego magic is sort of the purpose of this tech that arch the arc trader provides at least the earlier section of it so it really fits well into this episode like much chaos magic we're going to begin working with some sigils and visualization and we need to create what they referred to as a control program. But the nitty gritty of it is this. We're gonna create some sigils for our desired actions. Now I like to simplify them as much as uh, possible when I'm working in sort of like a visualization sense where I don't actually have the sigil in front of me carved on something or drawn on paper or something like that. It's, I find it much easier to visualize a simplistic sigil. So it's probably going to be best just to work off an example here. So I'm just going to make something up that, you know, it's not something I'm working on. I, just an idea I had. And I obviously I don't want to plagiarize off the arc trader. So let's try this. Say you're having a problem with clenching your jaw. Bruxism, I think is what they call it. There are two types of this. There's the daytime version and the nighttime version. Some people have both. But let's say you're just having trouble with the during the daytime one because the nighttime version is easily solved with a mouth guard. Obviously, you can't wear a mouth guard during the day because you're working some kind of job or you have to talk to people and be social as much as you might dislike that. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it makes you the money and uh, you have this jaw-clenching problem you need to fix. So, first thing is you're going to create a simplified sigil for the problem. So, we're going to use the word bruxism and then we knock out the U and the I and the R is already contained in the capital B, so we can eliminate that too. So we're left with BXM. Um, What I'm gonna do is start with the B and attach the letter M to it so that it's sort of coming off the middle of the arc of the lower portion of the B. Um, And I made the M kind of curvy, so it has a loop, and I left that loop at the end kind of run off a ways so I could draw a slash through it to create the X, and now we have our BMX sigil uh i don't really do biking or bmxing or anything like that but uh you know it already being a thing is going to make it easier to remember i think so we'll just roll with that i also want to assign a color to each of these sigils and i just think like assigning a color sometimes helps the program along bruxism is a, a problem we want to go away and i'm gonna assume that i'm having the issue so i'm gonna pick a color that i really don't like and my least favorite shade of light is orange. And I specifically dislike that really like hot 80s iridescent orange color. Uh, so that will be our BMX sigil in orange. Moving on, I'm going to sigilize a solution. 
So we want to cease completely. We'll use the words cease and completely, and we'll make those two separate sigils. For cease, we're obviously going to knock out all the vowels, and the C is kind of contained in the top loop of the S there. So we have just an S to work with. Because the intention is specifically to destroy the BMX sigil, I am going to make that bottom part of the S just shoot straight um, out to the side instead of curving back around. And then I'm going to make that S sigil into a bubble letter where that bottom diagonal point is sort of like a knife. Um, so it can just cut right through that other sigil. And let's see, why don't we imagine it as uh, silver? Um, because it's going to cut up this other sigil, right? Finally, I need to sigilize the 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 word completely because I want to stop it entirely and have it never come back though you know you might need to run a text several times to fully integrate its code but knocking out the vowels we get cmplty I sometimes use y because vowels are aeio new and sometimes y and not always y so fuck it when I feel inclined to keep the y I do it why not totally so this is going to be hard for you to imagine without kind of seeing what I wrote down but just you know you can imagine creating a sigil out of these uh letters maybe we could put something up on facebook or something for people to look at i feel like this is a lot of description of, of something that might be difficult for people to visualize so i think maybe we should try to throw something up there yeah that's probably a fair point so yeah we'll do that yeah, so you made the sigil out of the uh, completely thing, and then when I think of something sort of unified or whole in the sense of color, I tend to think of either black or white. Black is the color that absorbs the full spectrum of light, right? That's why black gets uh, really hot. Yeah, definitely. Or hot faster than other objects when left out in the sun. While white reflects all those colors of the spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. um, black has a lot of power, but I'm going to roll with white for this one because I kind of like that reflective nature of things. So if you follow me so far, and uh, Lux has a good point, you probably don't, <laughs> which is fair. This is where we kind of dig into how this thing works. So you find whatever space you're going to work in, banish ground center, all that jazz. If you do the invoking soul resonance exercise, do that. I find it drops me right into gnosis after I've done it um, without much extra help at all. But if that doesn't work for you, obviously, you know, you do you, whatever works, um, use it. So once you've gotten yourself into gnosis, visualize the 2D outline of head in front of you. And maybe consider visualizing it in your flesh tone if you were like having this problem and doing this exercise, right? Because the head is going to symbolize you in this situation. So now you want to visualize that that BMX bruxism sigil in that nasty orange color that I hate inside the jaw portion of the 2D head. Maybe it's glowing or pulsating or causing you know muscle contractions in the area or pain or something like that. Now we have our silver cease dagger sigil that flies by cuts that sigil other sigil in half you can visualize it being sliced apart and its glow kind of begins to fade as do its effects on the jaw and as it fades the 2d head seems to sort of glow um, more um, being relieved from that kind of painful situation that it was in and then as that BMX sigil finally like gives off its last drop of light and fades into nothingness, you have that completely, that white complete sigil slowly fading in 
until its light sort of shines out past the uh, head that you visualized, preventing that other thing from coming back. You know, it's up to you if you want to keep that S dagger sigil there, or if you just want to have it do a flyby and disappear off the scene. But, you know, it's all a matter of personal preference, I think. Yeah, hold this visualization for a while. Yeah, and then go about do whatever other work that you you need to get done or just go right ahead and close up shop. Obviously, you can do this for a variety of different operations, right? The arc trader actually discusses this in the context of banishing, but you know, you could use it to fight personal demons or unify your super self and subconscious, which is the invoking the soul resonance thing or uh, to invoke a deity or a specific personality and so on. Options are really limited to your imagination, which is sort of the beauty of this kind of work. Ultimately, um, you know, if you are engaging in the great work, you want to use this kind of thing for ego magic, limiting our or eliminating desires, deconstructing various beliefs and attitudes and so on. But, uh, you know, it can be useful for a wide variety of things. So, yeah. Go take that play. Absolutely. Have fun. Take notes. <laughs> well said. I mean, obviously make it your own, right? Uh, that's what this shit is all about. So. Totally. Yes. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. Well, should we get to the work cited? Yeah, let's do that. Um, our first work cited for today is the Cartoon Guide to Chaos by Arc Trader Blue Fluke. All right. And we've got Condensed Chaos by Phil Hine. The Kybalion by Three Initiates. Libra Chaos by Peter J. Carroll. Libra Nolan Psychonaut by Peter J. Carroll. Sigrun Freud's The Ego and the Id. You can find that on jstartdaily.com. Totally. Um, please consider supporting our show, contributing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash fg2to. Everything we earn will go to research materials, better gear, stuff like that to produce a higher quality and better show for you all. Um, right now, we have been doing uh, some games of 20 questions, which lead to a topic we discussed. These have been pretty fun and hilarious, short little episodes. We're also book clubbing Quantum Psychology by Robert Anton Wilson, as I mentioned earlier, which has been really fun as well. Um, it's set basically all access, not basically literally all access, pay what you can. So, you know, whatever you feel like you can contribute um that's great and we're we're happy to keep doing this stuff for you yeah hell yeah and um we're planning to put a bunch of other crazy fun stuff up there too yep. and yeah as we said the quantum psychology thing it's very relevant to the topic of ego magic so yeah definitely check that out if you are into it uh we'd also love it if you would join our community page fellow travelers off of our main fool's guide to the occult page on the book of many faces there's been some great sharing and discussions taking place there which is awesome um lots of good cloud you know cloud of people we're trying to build a community of supportive practitioners and we would definitely love it if you guys would join us so consider that yeah there's also our instagram page at fool's guide which i'm currently working on improving and and bringing more content to soon awesome awesome I guess that brings us to the end here, yeah? Yeah. All right, so let's leave you with this. Shortly before his death, 
Richard Alpert, otherwise known as Ram Dass, wrote an article on his website titled Navigating the Matrix of the Ego, in which he wrote the following. The ego has convinced us that we need it. Not only that we need it, but that we are it. I am my body. I am my personality. I am my neurosis. I am angry. I'm depressed. I'm a good person. I'm sincere. I seek truth. I'm a lazy slob. Definition after definition, room after room. Some are in high-rise apartments. I'm very important. Some are on the fringe of the city, just hanging out. I'd like to follow that up with Otep Shamaya quote from the song Possession off Sevistra. Kill your leaders to help you learn. Excellent. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thanks everyone. Uh, hope you're all staying healthy and safe out there and staying sane and having a good time. Yes, please take care of yourselves. Yeah, cheers. <laughs>